to be able to again into this theme of um, standing out and shine. On the screen, uh, there is our, our uh, theme for the year. And I just want to read it, the verses where it comes from. So the point is SOS, stand out, shine. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If, you, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light, stand and shine. It's from Matthew 5, verse 14 and 16. And we really are believing that as a church, and God has called us to stand out and shine. God has called us to just, I'll use an older word, radiate his love. People can sense something different about us because of the way we live and the way that we talk. And we've been talking about being strangers. Being stranger means that we live differently, we think differently, we act differently, we stand out and we shine. And so it's my joy this morning to just talk to us about one value, one principle of standing out and shine. It's quite unusual in many ways, but I think you'll get to it. Because I want to talk about this morning, just for half an hour, the power of inconvenience. The power of inconvenience. This is another value of being a stranger in this, in this world. I want to read, take the reading, if I may, um, from Mark in chapter 2. So if you've got a Bible, then please just turn to me, uh, turn to it uh, with me, and uh, we may get it on the screen, and we're going to read from verse 1 through to 12. But as you're finding it, what I mean by inconvenience, let me define it, because this is what the Oxford Dictionary defines it as. Inconvenience is difficulty with regard to one's personal comfort. So it's the opposite. Inconvenience is the opposite to comfort. So on one side we have inconvenience, on the other side we have comfort. And the reality is, many of us will run to comfort every time. Because we love and we live for comfort. I'm intrigued by marketeers, business people. They, They promote things in a particular way. Let me give you an example. They don't just sell a blanket, they call it a comfort blanket. They don't just sell food. They use this phrase, it's comfort food. They don't just say they're selling a pair of shoes. They call it comfort footwear. Or not just a pair of you know, joggers, but it's comfort clothing. Now, of course, you say, well, Christian, we don't want to wear something that's uncomfortable. I get that. But they are very clever. And there's a few marketing guys around here who have done that. They're very clever in how they're marketing. And what's What I'm not speaking about, just in my introduction, is that we should all be like monks and we all go and dress in uh, sackcloths and and we all all have uh, no homes and and, and, and we all, you know, look down on ourselves. And I'm not saying that at all. All I am appealing to us this morning is that actually the call of God and the discipleship journey is one of inconvenience. One of inconvenience. And it's a completely opposite to the uh, value of the world, which is all about comfort. 
Okay, all about comfort. So I want to just read Mark chapter 2 and then we'll, 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 we'll go for it. So it reads, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. It's interesting that, that he had come home. Did Jesus have a house? says he'd come home. We often think that Jesus didn't have a home. Some theologians believe that it was actually Peter's home. Because in Mark chapter 1 we read there about, it, it, it makes reference to being in that area. But the reality is this was home to Jesus and he'd come home. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered the mat that the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And so he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praise God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Just keep your finger in your Bible if you've got it. And then turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to hear about how to live a life of inconvenience. Nudge your neighbor. I can see you're really enthralled by that. Andy, can I just... In a moment, I'm going to be referring to these verses. But before I do that, this whole thought of the value and the power of inconvenience is, is one that is so important. Because as I've already mentioned, we live with comfort and we like to be comfortable. And comfort, comfort and comfortableness is opposite to the kingdom life. Jesus reads in Matthew and chapter 5 and, verse, and chapter 6, he makes statements like, if your enemies hate you, you are to love them. He also says that if somebody strikes you on one cheek, you are to turn the other cheek. He also talks about if someone wants to take you to court for your church, you are to then give them your coat. And then he goes further and he says that if somebody asks you to go one mile with them, which is a bit more challenging for some of you, the health of you, I can tell that. You know, you're not meant to just go one mile, you're meant to go two miles. 
Jesus is laying a principle here of a law of inconvenience. And it is completely opposite to the value and the culture of the world in which we live in. What Jesus was basically saying is, it's upside down. I've just turned it on its head. You see, the Pharisees and the religious people liked the comfort and liked the honor and liked everything done for them. They liked everybody walking by and creating a way for them. And he was saying, no, no, this is not how you are meant to live. Jesus ushered in a new order, a new way. He created a new normal. You may have been raised with the um, idea from mom or dad to get as much money as you can so you can become comfortable. I want to address that particular thought. I really do this morning. Because I actually have a theory that comfortable people can become, I'm not saying you are, can have the potential to become very lazy people. The more comfortable we become, the more lazy we can become. And I'm talking at all levels of life. Please hear my opening remarks. I'm not saying you can't enjoy things. I'm not saying that for one moment. But we must embrace as strangers the inconvenience in which we live. How this works out with me, just an interesting one. I don't know what it's about you, like with you guys, but does it slightly frustrate you for those who are married? When your wife asks you to do something, but she doesn't just ask once. Anybody know what I'm talking about? She asks many times. There's a suitcase that sat in our bedroom and it's been there for some time. And she says, because we keep our suitcases in the loft, would you mind getting the loft ladder down, opening the hatch and put it in the loft? The reason why I don't want to do this is because it's inconvenient. Woman, do you not understand? I don't talk like this to my wife, by the way. (laughs) Do you not understand? I've been at work all day. I'm the hunter. I've been out there. And she says, and what do you think I've been doing? I don't say that, by the way. I don't have those conversations now. I don't even go there. But I I can have the spirit of comfort comes on me because what I want to do after a full day's work, I just want to kick back, kick the shoes off, I want a cup of tea. I want to enjoy my meal. I want to read or listen to some music or maybe watch the TV. I don't want to be inconvenienced. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And it even works at that level. Someone said this, that we have to inconvenience ourselves. We have to ditch the remote the garage door opener, the leaf blower, and buy a bike, a broom, a rake, and a snow shovel. We live with such conveniences. We even have stores, stores, they're called general stores now, they're called convenience stores. Supermarkets have built brands, Tesco, on the bigger convenient stores. 
It's entrenched in our culture. And if we're not careful, it begins to entrench into our very being. And we believe the lie that this world runs and operates just around me. This works out in church. Those who call this home and family. Someone once wrote, the reason that we don't have revival is because we are willing to live without it. They were saying we don't want the convenience that comes as a result of pressing into revival. And I can talk, I can teach till I'm blue in the face around this. But let me say, to reach the world, we must become inconvenienced. It will not come as a result of living a life of comfort and convenience. I don't want to labor this, but on 25th of January 2015, we had our vision day. I want to read it very quickly to you. And I've even to remind myself, say, read quickly, don't labor. So this is what it says. This is what I said. What does there look like? We were talking about moving from here to there. Well, there looks like packed services, multiple services, the need for more service, more small groups. There means inconvenience. On a Sunday, this means a short walk to church from the many parking spaces nearby to make sure the car park is free for the disabled, the elderly, young families with babies, and first-time guests. That means introducing new songs that we don't always know, that carry a new, fresh sound, that connect with Christians and non-Christians alike. That means noisy kids and young people. Marked walls, used carpets. That means giving of your time and energy and serving in a team. That means committing yourself to being in a small group or being a small group leader. That means giving more money. Because we want to reach more people. That means coming early and serving and staying late to make sure everything is done. That means giving our time, our resource and skills. It means giving up meals to fast and pray. And on a six o'clock morning time, we get up because we're serious about seeing people saved in help for a time of prayer. That means take down our privileges, our prejudices and opinions and serving, loving, giving, and submitting. That way, son or daughter, that husband or wife who don't follow God, how are they going to be changed, here or there? We must move from here, which is good, to there, which is great. There is where growth comes from. There is where your kids, family members, are baptized. There is where we get to officiate at the wedding of your children. There is where we get to dedicate your grandkids. There is where we see lost people, broken people, lonely people, lost people, saved, helped, and healed. But to get there, we must live with inconvenience. Inconvenience for some of us is I've been asked to put a suitcase away in the loft. For others, it's I have to change my train. It's not a direct route. How inconvenient. There is 
I can't believe there's no parking space outside this store. They must have known that I was going to be turning up. I've now got to walk five minutes to a store. And yet if I was to talk to Justice and Anne and some of the culture that they've had to come from, they've never talked like this to me. But I guess they smile quite calmly in their hearts because of some of the nonsense that we pour out of our mouths when people have to walk miles to get to fresh water, where there's people who have no transportation other than their feet. And how about the inconvenience of coming to church? I've had to park offside. Well, how about those 21 Egyptian Christians? Because of their faith, they are now in the presence of God. Please don't talk to me about inconvenience. And I'm deeply challenged by this myself because I find myself moaning about all kinds of things that are a complete irrelevance. Caroline, yesterday we, were, we had the joy of just being able to have breakfast as a family. We tried to do that certainly on a Saturday and it was my turn to make the bacon. Oh, Thank you that the fast was done. Oh, Caroline said, I'll just pick one pack up. I said, how many rashes in there should I? I said, no, we'll need two. So we, 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 you know, and there was eggs and I, and I made it. And again, I've said to you, please don't think that we are so spiritual in our house that we have angels visiting us because we don't. It's like any other house at one another and all kinds of things. But Caroline just said, we'll often occasionally do this. She says, should we break bread? So I said, we'll break bread. Liz was breaking bread, Caroline, just led us for a moment. And she said uh, to all the children, so what are we thankful for? Let's just say one thing we're thank- thankful for before we pray. So there was things like, I'm thankful for the food. Oh, and the bacon. It was, I was very, I was saying, come on, get on with it. Let's get around. <laughs> and others were thankful for family and the house that we lived in. It was different things. I came to Caroline and she says, I'm thankful that we can serve Jesus freely in this country without any challenges. And I was impacted again, knowing that I was going to talk this message through because of what we are seeing and have seen on the news. And yet we get very frustrated if we're inconvenienced by the slightest of thing that affects our days. You thought I'd forgot about Mark chapter 2. I've just got two or three very simple points that I want to lay because the story is pretty self-explanatory. But let's go back to the text, shall we, for a moment. Because we see the story that we've just read is that Jesus is in his home area. They hear about Jesus being in his home. And so huge crowds press in. Notice that the religious people, they obviously had front row seats again. Read the text. 
They didn't make room for others who didn't know Jesus. They wanted to be at the front. But as a result of the crowds, there was five men who needed to get to Jesus. And they made the decision that they were going to get to Jesus, even if it meant them being inconvenienced. You see, desperation was the inspiration for a life of inconvenience. I'll say that again, because it's worthy of a quote. Desperation was the inspiration for a life of inconvenience. They were desperate to get their friend, their colleague, their loved one before Jesus. Unless I get him into the presence of Jesus, there is no hope. How desperate are you and I to get our friends into the presence of Jesus? Because unless they connect to the presence of Jesus, there is no hope. Inconvenience paved the way for the miracle. There would have been no miracle without the inconvenience. So here's just two or three things that I think we should reflect on for a moment. First of all, this group of guys, these four men who carried their friend, they thought about what they were doing. These are dead simple points. They thought about what they were doing. A life of inconvenience means you have to be, live intentionally inconvenient. Intentionally inconvenient. If I can be as blunt as this, those who were born in Asia and Africa and the Middle East, Middle East and in displaced communities have no choice. Inconvenience is thrust upon them. But we have a choice. And these men had a choice. They thought intentionally about what they were doing. They were going to make a plan how they were going to get their friend to Jesus. When we're talking about connecting with people far away, are we thinking of a plan how we can connect our friends to Jesus? Bearing in mind, if you're new here today and, or you've been invited as a result of uh, you know, somebody inviting you, I want to be very clear. This church can't save you. The person who you've come with can't save you. There's only one who can save you, and his name is Jesus. And once you've had an encounter with him, you'll be changed forever. But what we can do is that we can make a plan and intentionally think, how can I connect people in my world who are far away from Jesus to get them into the presence of Jesus? You see, they understood there were crowds. There were religious people crowded in, but they were thinking, All I ask us in this season, in standing out and shine, is that we will think about what we are doing. We will think about how we are behaving. We will think about how we are presenting ourselves. And more importantly, how we are presenting Jesus. I love what uh, Brian Houston says. Everything about you says something about you. And I've realized For those who aren't Christians, actually you're just the normal. But as soon as you use those words, I am a Christian, even though they may not like what you've just said, I want to tell you one thing that happens. Immediately, they are watching you. 
They are watching your every move because they want you to trip up and then they want to be able to talk about it. And these men thought about what they were doing. They were intentional in connecting their friend to Jesus. The second thing that they did is they did not allow obstacles to stop them. They were persistent. Read the text. It says there that they carried this man on a mat, on a bed. Luke 5 talks about the bed and the mat. But they carried him because he couldn't walk himself. And because there was no room in the house, they couldn't even get to the front door. The crowd was so big. But they saw in Palestinian houses of the day, they were flat roofs. And we have this idea now when you've been to Spain or Cyprus, there's lovely steps that lead up to a veranda. It wasn't like that. It was a ladder. That's how it was. But they knew that there was a way that they could get Jesus because they knew he was in that room. And they knew that if they could dig through the roof, they could lower their friend into the presence of Jesus. They were utterly persistent. They did not allow obstacles to stop them. What were the obstacles? Crowds. How are you going to get through this throng of people? The ladder. I'm terrible up ladders anyway. I, I fought, usually fought, and that's not just a bad confession. I do generally fall off ladders. It's just something I do. Julian knows one occasion where I fell off a massive ladder and came crashing through. It's a wonder I didn't break a number of bones in my body, but thankfully I didn't. But this ladder was just what it was, a ladder. You imagine carrying four men going up a ladder with a man that they're carrying. Bit tough, really, but they were so persistent, and they said to themselves, we're not worried how um, inconvenient it is. We're going to get our pal into the presence of Jesus. What were the other obstacles? Well, there was the heat of the day. It's got to be the heat of the day or even the heat of the, uh, of, of the night. It was, we're not talking about cold climates. And then we look at the last one. What about the roof? Well, we've got this image of straw or whatever. I want to tell you, this roof was full of dung. 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 Rubbish, dirt, muck. I'm not allowed to say muck. My mum always used to say, you can't say mucky. So here I am, mucky, 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 mucky. Okay. <laughs> See why I've come over this side. It was full of dirt. This roof was not a slate roof. It wasn't lead roof. It wasn't, you know, some corrugated iron, it was full of dung, dirt. You put whatever word you want to put to dung. That's what they filled it with. And then there was often grass growing from it. That's what they did. So actually, in some ways, it was quite easy to break through it. But if anybody's ever dug a hole or dug a ditch, you're not going to come out smelling of roses, are you? You're going to get dirty. You're going to get a bit Mucky, there we are again, a bit dirty. And they did not allow the obstacles to stop them. If I can say, they cut through the, the dong. Some of you have used those phrases. I'm being very respectful. They cut through all the 
to get to where they needed to get to. What they did, they didn't allow any excuses to stop them. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I was a classic as a young kid. I had an excuse about anything and everything. Have you ever had a kid like this? I could just write it off with an excuse. There was always a reason why. I was legendary in classes with teachers. Legendary, legendary why I didn't do what I needed to do. Because I was just full of, yeah, I'm the, yeah. But listen to me, we make excuses part of our lives. An inconvenient living, listen to me, eliminates excuses. Inconvenient living eliminates excuses. Very quickly, the biggest barrier, this was written by a a, a female American business analyst, journalist. She said this, the biggest barrier to starting a company isn't ideas, funding, or experience. It's excuses. We've got some business guys here. Steve would, you know, advocate that. Martin, there was, there's Mike who's been in the... That's the reality. Most businesses are, aren't started, not because of ideas and not because of funding. It's because we make every excuse under the sun why we're not going to do it. Now, I'm not talking about businesses now. I'm talking about generally in life. Apply that to your own life. Why we don't do the things that we need to do is a result of excuses that we make. Young people, stop making excuses. Married, stop making excuses. Arena Church, may we stop making excuses. And let's begin to do something. And let's cut through the rubbish and get people into the presence of Jesus. Let's remove every obstacle to get them to where they need to get to. Because when they're in the presence of Jesus, there is hope. There's the miracle when they're in the presence of Jesus. Lastly, and very quickly, oh, this is a great point. Probably I'll make more of it at Mansfield tonight. But they practice joyful inconvenience. I want you to just write that down. I was asking the Lord to just give me one crafted phrase that was just, they practice joyful inconvenience. You say, that's impossible. It is in the natural, but it's not in the spirit. How can you be joyful in your inconvenience? You can be. And these men exemplified a joyful inconvenience. There was no mumbling, there was no groaning, there was no chuckle brother moments where there was dropping him or whatever or getting annoyed with one another. No Laurel and Hardy moments or getting all frustrated. There was a joyful inconvenience because they were so, so committed to getting this man before Jesus. It was a joy. They counted it pure joy or sounds like the Bible. When you suffer, Huh, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because Paul experienced a joyful inconvenience. He understood that out of inconvenience, miracles happened. I don't know whether these five men were brothers. I'm just reading into it. I wonder if they were brothers. I wonder if my brother's here today. And he does know this. I'd do anything for him. I've got my brother-in-law here, two brother-in-laws. I'd do anything for them. My cousins, I used to knock around with a few of my cousins. Glennis's son was one of them, Mark, and we were right. Well, anyway, we best not even go there, what we used to get up to, because I'd get in trouble. 
There's a few of us just same age. You'd do anything for them. But what if they weren't brothers or cousins? But they were just friends. And what they were basically saying is, I'll do anything for Andy. I'll do anything for Andy. Because he needs to get in the presence of Jesus. Neil, I'll do anything for Neil because I need to get him in the presence of Jesus. And they practice joyful inconvenience. He doesn't just rely on family, blood family, or blood ties. We're joyful, inconvenient for one another. And they carried him into the presence of Jesus. They gladly served. They were selfless. They counted and carried the cost. They could have been sat on the front row by leaving early and making sure they were there. But because they were carrying their friend, they couldn't get there early. But they were selfless. I'll finish with this. It's from about three weeks ago. I'm just filling up at petrol and I've got to pick the girls up. And I was running slightly late from Universal. So it's fairly late. I met Hina, filling up with petrol. And this guy stops his car and then. It was a bit funny because it was very quiet, rolled in, but filled up. And I could hear his partner or wife. They were going at it in car before. So I just looked over. I had a quick smile to me. I thought, I've been there, done that. Okay. <laughs> filled up. I'm all right. And then he starts to try and turn the ignition. And it wouldn't start. <laughs> And then she started. <clears throat> oh, she started. She were effing and jeffing. She were, she were going at it. And I thought, oh dear, what do I do? I'm running slightly late now for the kills. I need to go and pick the girls up, but I can't just leave this off. Flipping it. So anyway, I thought, I don't know what I'm walking into. So I tapped on the thing. And he looked straight, glared straight. You were a big fan. You looked straight back. And I thought, oh, dear. And I wanted to get involved, Paul, you know, from the police. You know, you can step in. And then I said, uh, excuse me, um, do you want me to give you a bump start? So she then stops and nudges him. Well, isn't that nice? She goes to this. Because we need to get home to our kids. She's going, I don't know what I've been going off. So I says, well, let me try and give you a bump stop. The end of the story is they got going. And they just said, thanks ever so much for stopping. And that was off into the sunset. I haven't done that many times. But I just, that story came to me. Joyful inconvenience. I didn't have to say anything about Jesus. The reality is they probably have never had anybody do that. Probably because of their attitude. But if we practice joyful inconvenience, we can affect others. So, how do I apply this very quickly? What needs to change in me? I'm applying this to me now. What needs to change in me as a result of this message? Where, where this week am I going to practice joyful inconvenience? 
not talking about that person who you love, which is easy to, in that work context. Maybe in the home where you're having some difficulties. Neighbours. Where can I live out a life of inconvenience that will show others that I am a stranger in this world? Terry gave me a piece of paper and it says this. The boss says go. And he wrote a lovely comment on it at the end. He says, the boss says go. But the leader says, let's go. And I'm here today to say, not you need to go. I'm saying, we. I need to go. We need to go by embracing the power of inconvenient living. We're going to finish off in prayer. I wonder if you just bow your heads for a moment and ask the God.